Well, all right, you are here at second service today, second service only at 11.15, for New Year's Eve Day service, and I'm glad that you're here. Now, I understand how many of you maybe stayed up a little bit too late last night, you know, okay, some hands, and the rest of us are too tired to raise our hand or something, right? So I'm aware that this is New Year's Eve Day, and so we are going to do our best to keep you fully engaged. Now, first thing I want you to do is you can pull out your outline and take a look at it. Um, we always have an outline, but you'll find, and don't freak out over this, there aren't a whole lot of boxes to fill in, not a whole lot of blank lines, okay? We're going to do it a little differently. There are some spaces where you can take some notes when we talk through things, but that's totally up to you. I'm not going to tell you. Fill in the blank now. For so, some of you that might go through withdrawal, though, on the back side right at the end, there are four little short ones that we'll just kind of breeze through, right? I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be at the very end, though, okay? So you're going to be all right with that. We're going to use lots of props, lots of visual things, some group participation, some things to try and keep you engaged on January 1st here as we look at this concept of Jesus being Lord. And we're excited about that. This is the fourth part of our series, the four different names we've been looking at for Jesus. And today's name, this concept of Lord, is really perhaps the most significant one, as we look to the new year, um, this, uh, this name we're looking at is Lord, and it's used well over 100 times, nearly 200 times in the Bible for Jesus. The name Lord Jesus or Jesus is Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, etc., many, many times. And one of the very first is found in one of the Christmas passages that we love to read in December. And so we read it during the welcome, but I want to read it to you again here. It's found in Luke chapter 2 and says this, one of the very first times. The angel said to them, Jesus is a baby. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the, Christ the Lord. Now, it's important for us as we see this and we hear about this, this, we hear this term Lord, mm, a church, and that might be about it. It's important for us to define that term Lord because it isn't commonly used today. It isn't, except perhaps in church circles, you know. Uh, so we probably have a number of different ideas about it. I mean, if we think back to like the Middle Ages, they talked about lords and ladies back then. Okay, I kind of can relate to that historically. And so maybe our ideas about what the word Lord means goes back then. So the problem is, however, at that time, there were lots of lords and ladies around. And those would be people in authority, people with honor of high position. But there would certainly be more than one of them. There would be lords and ladies. These would be kind of the important people like that. But there was only one king, right? Lots of, lots of lords, but one king. I'm not quite sure where that goes. So that's an, a, a, a term that is, does not fit for, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the other place that we really hear lord, except in a history class, would be like at church. And the problem with that is we use it in a good way, but I think we use it with perhaps not understanding what we're saying. We just say Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus Christ. It's there in Scripture, and we read it, and off we go. What does that really mean? What does that really mean? And so we want to dig into it just for a second to define it. And there's really two Greek words that are used for Lord in the New Testament, two separate Greek words, and uh, we see some very specific meanings here. Jesus as Lord means, quite frankly, it means that he is God. It means that he is God. And, uh, and so it's just spelled out very plainly. The word literally means that Jesus is God. God in the form of man. He's more than a good man, more than, more than a prophet, more than a great teacher. He is God, the one who literally has absolute power and authority. And that's only one. Not one of many lords, not even the, the human king. It is God. And since the word Lord means God, okay, so, so the Lord means God, big picture, out there. But because the Lord Jesus means the Lord means God. It also means that Jesus should not just be the Lord, right? The Lord speaking out there externally, not just a general Lord and God over all of us, but my Lord. 
my Lord. He should be your Lord. In fact, he wants to be and really is the Lord. And he should be your Lord. He should be the leader of my life, the boss, the one who's in charge, the master of me. Saying Jesus is my Lord is saying that Jesus should really be the driver of my life. Okay? So first prop to help us today is I brought on this fancy schmancy steering wheel. Okay, it's a steering wheel cover, but we're going to call it a steering wheel here. Jesus should be the driver of my life, really saying that this belongs to Jesus. Jesus is going to drive my life in every possibility of a way, and this is a visualization. Now, if Jesus is the driver of your life, it means he makes, catch this, all the decisions about the driving. Are we going to go? Are we going to stop? Are we going to turn right? Are we going to turn left? Are we going to go backwards? I hate going backwards. Jesus wants to go backwards. We're going backwards, right? Are we going to drive at all? Jesus makes those decisions. I mean, he might even get to change the stations on the radio. I don't know, you know, climate control, all that. Jesus is the driver. Do you get it? He makes all the calls. Well, I wanted to go to the mall today. Tough. Jesus is doing the driving, right? I mean, if Jesus is making some other decision, he makes some other decisions. He makes them. Now, for some of you who are control freaks, this can be kind of tough to handle. You like to drive too much. Now, I don't necessarily mean physically driving. I just mean you like to be in control. True confessions, that's me. At least a little bit. I've been working with it for some time, so I'm probably not as extreme as I was, but it's still here. I like things to go the way I like them to go, and I like to kind of control that. And that means that I kind of keep taking the wheel. I keep taking back the wheel because this is kind of comfortable for me. And so that's an issue for us. You, you like to drive too much, maybe like me. Now, as we look at this concept of Jesus as Lord today, I'm not going to take any time to prove that Jesus is God. That, that's a whole different talk, and I believe there's lots of evidence for that. But grammatically, here, what we see in Scripture is, if we take the Bible at face value, it clearly states it to be true. Jesus is Lord. He is God. He's the absolute ruler, absolute controller, and the driver of all. It says here in Acts 10, just as a way for us to develop this, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Okay, there's a couple of the names that we see. We've talked about Jesus Christ the last few weeks as as various names for Jesus, and he's Lord of all. Now, they're talking to the people of Israel, so the Israel people are going, woohoo, yes, he's our Lord, you know, and Israel always needs every bit of good news that they can find, right? The very oppressed people over the years. So that's great news, but it goes on to say in Romans chapter 10, For there is no difference between Jews and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Well, they're talking about Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Lord of all. It's the Jews and the non-Jews. And that pretty much covers it, doesn't it? Anybody who's Jewish, anybody who's not Jewish, he's Lord. And that's everybody. He's Lord of all. And, and, and right now, so I want you, here's a, here's a chance for you to participate. I want you to say out loud, if you can, warm up your voice. Say, Jesus is Lord. Okay, last service did it better. I'll give you another chance. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Okay, see, there's oh, front rows giving me some conviction and stuff like that. Starting to feel like church. Okay, a little bit here. See, we can say that with some level of, of confidence and volume here because this is church and it sounds good to speak truth, at least in church. It's out in the community. I'm not quite so sure people would be freaking out if we're saying that or whatever, and maybe it's a little bit scary. But, you know, I got to tell you, to be honest, saying Jesus is Lord is a whole lot different than putting him in the position of Lord. Do you understand that? Saying Jesus is Lord is way different than putting him in that position. You see, we can say he is is Lord, and we may say that Jesus is a great driver. In fact, we can say, Jesus, you are the perfect driver. But that doesn't mean that we actually let him be the Lord and driver of our lives, right? That's a whole different matter. Because if truth be told, there are a number of other drivers that are pretty appealing to us too. (laughs) 
We don't want to rush to admit it at church, right? I mean, because this is church and Jesus is Lord. But, <laughs> but when it comes to looking at who or what drives our life and our lives, the list can get pretty long. The list can get pretty long. Well, I want to try to help us today with some specific examples and some visuals really to help us, um, help us process these ideas. Who or what are some of the competing lords of our lives? Well, we're starting, we're here at church, and it makes sense. We're saying, well, Jesus is Lord. Who's driving my, who's driving my life? Who's the driver? I'm going to put this right here. This is, you know, Jesus is Lord, and that's where it should be, and that sounds great. The reality is it doesn't stop there because I don't know if you get tomorrow off or just what, but before you know it, you're back at work. And for some of us, this ladder is going to represent work. Some of us, we actually work on ladders if you're in construction or something. This ladder represents work. And for some of us, it's right here. Work runs my life. Work controls my life. I'm kind of a workaholic. I got to work. I got to work more. And it helps me feel valuable. It helps me be valued. I can earn money and whatever else like that. And all of a sudden, what does your life revolve around? And it can revolve around work and it can go there. Well, some of us are going, work, what are you talking about? It's all about the play, right? It's all about playing. It's about hobbies and play. Now, I know it might not take the bulk of my time because I don't have time to do it, but I tell you, my life, I work so that I can play. And in fact, I might miss church a little more often than I might like just because play is pretty important and the weekends is the best time to do it. Okay? So all of a sudden, that can be the driving force of your life. For some people, it's very easy for it to be friends. Other people, other people become, and by the way, none of these things are bad by themselves, but you all right, buddy? By themselves, none of these things are bad, but it's when we start letting them drive. Have you ever find yourself worrying more about what other people think about what you wear, what you say, what you do, than you, I didn't even think to ask what does God think, I just was worried what would they think. In fact, what if, we even just said, if I went out in the community and said, Jesus is Lord out loud, they're going to think I'm weird. Who's they? Others? Are they controlling your life? A lot of times they do. And they may be wonderful people, they may be your family, they may be your friends. Sometimes it's, it's people, it's others that control our lives. Truth be told, most often it's probably this right here. Who do you see in that mirror if it's facing you? You! It's me, it's ourselves. We put ourselves in the driver's seat, don't we? That's what we're most comfortable with. All of a sudden I make the decisions. Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? When do I want to do it? All those sorts of things. You know, yeah, if I'm married and I got kids, I guess I got to consider somebody else a little bit. <laughs> Too often it's us right here. Sometimes it's money. It's money and possessions. And you may say, I'm not that big on money. I just like the stuff that it buys. Okay, we're talking about money and possessions. It's the bag of dough here. And so you know what? This is what life's going to be about. What can I accumulate? What can I get? What can I possess? Now, a bunch of us are heading over to Uganda this Thursday. And I tell you, you go over there and it's like they don't have anything. It's not important to them because there's just nothing there. I mean, they're, they're people and they want more stuff and they'll just flat out ask you, may I have something? <laughs> can I have that? You know, and we've been trying to say, we love you, but no, you know, that's not good for you. Look at how much this stuff has messed us up. We have sometimes leftover containers. We, we bring suitcases of, of donations of clothes and stuff, and then you say, well, we'll leave them the suitcases because they can use them for, like, storage containers. That makes a great, that's a good Western idea, isn't it? You know what happens when we go back a year later? They're still sitting there empty because they don't have anything to store. They're pretty darn content. Money and stuff can rule our lives. <laughs> this is a box we found empty behind a store, okay? No one consumed anything, but I thought a Seagram's liquor box, gin box, but, but addictions in our lives. Addictions in our lives can be the Lord of our lives, and I don't want to belittle this. Some of these things are like, ooh, uh, mm, it's close to home. If this is a reality for you a little bit or a lot, it's a big deal. An addiction can start small. It might be a substance. It might not be, you know, whether it's alcohol or drugs or smoking or whatever else through that can get a hold, but it might be a behavioral activity, you know, with, with internet issues and whatever else is there, pornography. There are addictions and things that can just grab a hold of you. And before
before you know it, you say, who's running my life? Or what is running my life? It's this addiction or addictions. Maybe just my addictive behaviors and my, my attitude that's there. It's, it's all I can do. It runs my life. For some of us, it might be the pursuit of knowledge or simply just technology, you know, all the gadgets and the things that are out there. And I just, I, I, I like, this is what is. I've got, to, I've got to be on Facebook. I've got to be connected. That's with people and technology together. I've got to be here. I've got to be. And all of a sudden, and by the way, this isn't everything. There's more here. I thought about, I'm going to drag one of my sons up here, help bring out the props. And at the end, I'm going to have him stand here with the steering wheel because family can be a driver in your life. It can. You know, I've got a big family, and, and there are lots of demands as well as wonderful things about a family and the time. But it can be the Lord of your life. It can be the Lord of your life. You're making decisions. The decisions of are you going, are you stopping, you're going backwards, you're turning right or left, how fast you're going is based around your family. Now, again, I want to make sure that it's clear that, that pretty much these things by themselves not to excess, et cetera, there, but most of these things by themselves aren't bad. I'm not putting them down. I'm not saying you shouldn't work. I'm not saying you shouldn't have friends. I'm not saying you shouldn't play. You get it? These things by themselves. It's just when we put the steering wheel on them and say, this is either I put it there or I just allow it to do it. It's the addiction. It's the money. It's myself. It's somebody else. It's the play. That's when it becomes a major problem. And so I probably could have littered the stage with more and more stuff. These are probably the primary areas there in our culture of things that become the Lord or try to become the Lord of our lives that we allow to become the Lord of our lives. And it becomes a real big problem. And I think you can see that. All these things and more compete to be the Lord of our lives. And, and the reality is maybe it's just one, but sometimes we find ourselves moving the steering wheel around from thing to thing. You know, hey, on the weekends, it's all about the play, right? You know, during the, mid, during the week, I gotta, it's work. I'm all about work so that I can get the stuff and then I can buy more technology. And then I get so tired that I gotta, you know, gotta get my, feed my addictive habit with whatever. And again, folks, I don't wanna put this down. This is us sometimes. It might be for you. You hang it on one of these things. Others, it just gets moved around. But either way, all of these lords are the small L. There's only one Lord with a capital L, and it's the cross that's hanging over there on the end. That is their true Lord. All of these are not Lord as in God, even if you allow it to be the master and driver of your life. It is not, and they are not Lord. There's only one Lord who can drive your life effectively. So why do we try to fool ourselves into believing that there are other drivers who will do as well? Especially me. Especially me. I know all these drivers will do really well. This one gives me lots of pleasure and I have a good time. This one I feel fulfilled. This one, you know, all these things, but especially when I'm in control because ah, it's comfortable and I can go and stop when I want to or whatever, you know, and it can be a problem. My appeal to you for the new year, though, is to allow, allow Jesus to be Lord in 2012. Allow Jesus to be Lord, not just sometimes, not when you get tired of driving, okay, I give up, you know, I'll put it down now. All the time, you know, not when it's just convenient. He is Lord of all and Lord all the time, so let him be Lord. Now, if you're interested in that concept, I want to tell you what it will take. As you look to 2012 and say, you know, 2011 was a lot of moving the steering wheel around and a lot of me holding on to it. And if I look at 2012 and say, whether it's a resolution or not, I'd love to have it be on the cross more, maybe even all the time. Is that possible? Why not try? Well, what's that going to take? What's that going to take? First of all, I want to tell you it will take not just words. It's going to take actions. Not just words, but actions. It says here in Luke 6, 46, Jesus says this. He says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? The, ver- the version I memorized when I was a kid was Jesus saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? And he had people around him saying, oh, you are Lord, you are Lord. Kind of sounds like church, 
I sing Lord, we sang Christmas songs about Lord, I talk about Jesus as Lord, but when I really evaluate how much time does the steering wheel spend with Jesus Christ, it isn't a whole lot. And Jesus is going, you're saying Lord, Lord, why are you doing that and not letting your life show that I'm Lord? You're not letting me lead your life. You're not letting me drive, so I'm not really Lord, is what he's saying. You're calling me Lord, and I'm not Lord. You're not letting me be Lord. It's a big deal. Any of us can say that Jesus is Lord, and people have always done that according to Jesus. But do your actions show him to be the Lord of your life? Does your, does your life demonstrate that the master driver is at the wheel? So it isn't just about what you say, it's what you do, what shows in your lifetime, lifestyle. Now, the other thing it's going to take, and this is, this, is, this is more important than the first because it drives the first. And that is that you need to understand that you can't get there by trying harder yourself. <laughs> You allow him to drive your life by giving up the keys to him. First service, it just dawned on me. I actually put, had my keys in the bag and stuff. And I said, it's not just giving him, giving him the wheel, but I'm even going to give him the keys. You know, Lord, it's up to you. hope I remember to take those home. <laughs> or I won't be going home. I'm going to give you the keys. Now, now, now I'm not even deciding are we starting the car today. It's his. You know, I'm going to let him do that. Because the second I, Jesus, well, let me start the car, and then I'll let you slide behind the wheel. <coughs> yeah, right. Maybe you will, maybe you won't, right? I want to give him the keys. I want to give him the whole thing. And it's not about my trying harder. You allow him to drive your life by giving up the keys to him. It's about having this close relationship of trust and faith with Jesus. It's not a matter of trying harder yourself. When you do that, you take the wheel back. Now, how many of you have ever driven with someone that was kind of scary to drive with? You're a passenger, <laughs> and you're laughing. It happened first in the last service, too. You know, oh, boy. You know, hopefully it wasn't on the way to church this morning. <laughs> Whoever you're, okay, good. <laughs> your husband or your wife or something. You know, I've been there, and you're kind of like, you're, you know, you're white-knuckled, gripping the seat belt or the seat, and, oh, Lord, get me safely, and just, I'd rather walk. Would that be impolite to say that or whatever? What's the issue there? You don't really trust them, right? You don't have a lot of faith that they're going to get you there safely because they're just a crazy driver, whatever their situation is. Who you allow to drive your life is based on who you trust and who you have faith in. And can I just be honest and say that's why the wheel so often sets right here with the mirror with ourselves? Because I know what I'm getting when it's me. Might not be all that pretty, but at least I can trust me. I'm not sure we can, but at least it's a known entity, right? What do we trust? I can trust the pleasure. I can trust some of these things, the feelings that I get. It's really about putting your faith and trust in Jesus, and it's not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of giving up the car keys. It's this process. Uh, Jesus says himself in John 15, he says, verse 4, he says, this is what it's about. You, you want to let me be Lord? He says, abide in me. That's a close, this relationship that's intertwined that isn't just like side by side. It's mixed together. It's right there. He says, abide in me, and I in you. Let's mix together in a sense. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. You see, Jesus says that you can't please him unless he's the driver. You can't please him unless he's the driver. You can't live a life of love and obedience on your own. You won't bear any fruit in your life as long as you are any of these other things that you see up here or that aren't up here even, as long as, uh, as, long as these things are driving your life. Jesus is basically saying it's a wasted life when anyone else is driving but me. It's a wasted life when anyone else is driving but me. Now, hold on. John, you said that Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? So it's all about doing, right? 
because if I'm going to call him Lord, then I got to do what he says. So do. Well, the problem is Jesus says that, but he also says you can't do it on your own. So don't try harder. Abide in me, and then the fruit comes. And as you abide in Jesus Christ, the power and the strength and the desire to live for Jesus starts happening. Wow, without even trying, I, I was a little more loving today. And yeah, sometimes it does take some trying. Lord Jesus, help me want to and give me the strength so it can happen in and through me. It's not about making it happen harder. It's about turning it over, turning it over. Now, we start talking about driving, and I don't know about you, but I find that as a guy... I think of myself as a pretty good driver, you know? I think it's a guy thing. <laughs> I enjoy driving, and I'm probably one of those guys who overestimate their driving skills. We guys can do that. We tend to do that. All kinds of surveys, uh, you know, studies have been done when they ask guys, you know, how many of you consider yourself to be a good driver? Good meaning better than average. 70 to 80% of men say they are. Okay, did you get that? What do you think average means? Isn't average 50%? <laughs> so 70 to 80% of the guys are better than 50. It doesn't work out, does it? But we kind of tend to do that. True confessions, that's me too. You know, hey, I'm a good driver, and, and that's there. You know, we, I, I, I tend to do that. But I got to tell you, when I grab a hold of one of these gizmos, it gets scary. Some of you are going, it's a tiny white steering wheel. This is a little game controller for, for a Wii gaming console. And so you can play Mario Kart or any of other video games on your television with your family as a fun time together. And here's a little way to actually drive a cart or a car or a motorcycle or something around a course. Now, I, who was definitely in that top 20% of the drivers in my own mind, quickly fall into the, oh my goodness, what a mess, get out of his way on the, on the Wii. I can't even stay on the road. I'm into the water. I'm off the cliff. I'm into the lava. I'm sometimes turning around driving backwards, telling my guys as they're zipping around laughing at me, I'm not even sure. Am I going frontwards or backwards? And they're, Dad, well, you got it. Oh, thank you so much. Ah. I'm out of control crazy. I cannot call myself even a decent driver. I know I need practice. I've only done it a few times. But can I tell you what a great thing to play just a few days ago, feel frustrated as my kids lap me and lap me. I didn't get too angry. I mostly laughed. And then I realized this is exactly what I do with my life. I got it, Jesus. I got lots of control. I'm a good driver. I can take it from here. Jesus is going, you're in the lava again. You're off the cliff again. You want to hand me the wheel back so that I can drive your life the way I intended it to be? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My kids are laughing. It's what my real life is like. You know, we're a mess, and the only one who can straighten things out is the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, not the, these little Lords, small L, but the capital L Lord, the Lord Jesus. Let's put the wheel back where it belongs in the hands of the Master. Now, we have a few blanks to fill in. I didn't lose track of that, okay? <laughs> so let's get to those. We're going to allow Jesus to be Lord in 2012 in four areas. But before I list the four, I want to remind you, listen, these are measurements. These are measurements of who or what is the Lord of your life as you look back and as you look ahead. These are not areas to try harder in, okay? These are measurements. When you say, if I want the Lord to be, if I want Jesus to be Lord of my life in 2012, what is it going to look like in this area that will show me that I'm allowing him to drive? You see, it's a measurement. Is, is it happening? Am I submitting? Am I abiding? These four things allow you to see if he is or will be your Lord. First of all, you want to allow him to be the Lord of your time. Allow him to be the Lord of your time. And a question to you is simply, does the way that you use your time reflect that Jesus is Lord of your life? 
Does the way you use your time reflect that? If he is driving, the way you spend your time will show that. It will. So now I'm not saying, oh, I need to redo my... Okay, I'm not letting him be Lord of my life. I am not if my time doesn't reflect it. And it, it, you know, I could list some examples. It might you know, include some things like time in the Bible and prayer, balanced time of work and play, making worship and church a priority, etc. You, you get the feel. You get the idea for that. But if he's Lord of your life, he's Lord of your time. And you aren't Lord of your time or any of these things, right? The choice is being made. Secondly, allow him to be Lord of your talents. First of all, your time, but second, your talents. And again, if Jesus is driving, I can guarantee you that you will be using your gifts in ministry and service, and probably a lot. And probably a lot. I'll just be honest. And I know some of us have limited time based on, you know, issues in your life. So it isn't just where do you spend the most time, but where is your focus? You see, God gifted you so you could bless others. That's the only reason why he did it, to glorify him and to bless other people. And so if he's Lord, if he's Lord of your life, if you're allowing him to drive, we're going to see those gifts over and over again. And it's not just going to be a little bit here. Well, I'm just kind of keeping it to myself. I'm awfully busy. God's going to say, there's a chance to use these things to be a blessing. Well, the third one, and again, you're going to get a feeling these are, these are T's that are here, is that we want to allow him to be the Lord of your treasures. That's the T of your treasures. Now, it's been said that you can tell a lot about a person by looking at their calendar and their finances. You know, we used to say, you look at their calendar and their checkbook, but how many of you don't write checks anymore, right? You know, so I'll just say your finances. It's a changing world, right? You, let, you know, we, you can tell a lot about a person by, by how they handle their time and, and their finances. Now, we talked about the time part, time part just a minute ago, but this is a financial checkup. And again, not a guilt trip. This is not, here's what you should be doing. This is a if he's Lord of your life, here's what, it, here's what it will look like in 2012 with your time. Here's what it will, will look like in terms of your talents and your giftedness. Here's what it will look like in terms of coming to your treasures. And the questions, the checkup questions really would be, does the money that God has entrusted to you get used in ways that please him? Does the money that he has entrusted you get used in ways that please him? Is he the Lord of your money and possessions? Now, specifically, that, that includes your giving, does your giving reflect his leadership of your life? Giving is really important to God, not because he needs our stuff or our money, because he needs our hearts. And he says your hearts and your money are intertwined. So you're, if, if you're allowing Jesus to, to drive your life and be the Lord of your life, it's going to show up in how you handle your finances, including your giving. And that's, that's a measurement to see, am I allowing him to? And finally, number four, uh, allow him to be Lord through your trials. I won't say Lord of your trials, but to be Lord through your trials. Now, I kind of hesitated adding this one to that list of the three. I thought time, talents, and treasures. There's three. That's perfect. We're done. But I kept coming back to this concept because we'd all like to think that 2012 will be a year free of trials and troubles, right? I mean, wouldn't that be nice? A new year? It might be. It might be a year totally free of trials. Of course, come to think of, I've never had a year like that, have you? A year totally full of trials and troubles. So let's be honest. They're going to be there. The truth in the coming year... Uh, the truth is that we all will face trials in the coming year. Some of us pretty severe trials, some significant trials. We don't know what lies ahead of us there, right? We usually can't control the trials that come our way, but what we can do is choose how to handle them. Are you willing to allow Jesus to drive you through all of 2012, through the good and the bad? Will you allow him to hang on to the steering wheel of your life, even when it feels like, even when it feels like he's the one who drove you into the mess? Maybe heavier than you thought. Boy, Jesus, I was allowing you to drive this year, and holy cow, I find myself into this mess. You drove me here. What were you thinking? Well, I ought to take the wheel back. Oh, that's a good plan. <laughs> Not, right? 
it may feel like Jesus drove you there. And so the question really is, what got you there on all those things? There's the variables. But the question is, what do we do now? Because the reality is Jesus might have allowed some things to happen that got you in a mess because that might be part of his purifying process in you, knowing that trials, what, develop character and all those things that the scripture tells us. That might be it. But the temptation is, boy, I got into a mess. I'm going to grab that wheel myself because at least I can control it. Allow Jesus to be the Lord, to be the driver of your life this year. Allow him to be the leader of your time, of your talents, your treasures, and through your trials. And if you do that, I promise you, he will mold you and make you into something amazing that will glorify him. I stress that mold you and make you into something. I, I want us to watch a short video that will pull us in one more step. But as you watch, I want you to be thinking, and then writing on your outline, right at the bottom, there's a response section. What is my response to this today? How does God want me to respond to his call to me today to be my Lord and driver in 2012? You can write that down now. You're not turning this in. This is for your own benefit. But as we watch this video that talks about the new years and how God wants to be a part of our lives and how he molds us, let him speak to you and you can respond. Let's watch. You are what we need, only you. Do you see the way we fall and pick us up? Could a broken love be offered? open to the transforming hand of the Father, the molding hand. It 
won't be quick, it won't be easy. But in the end, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? He wants to be the Lord of our 2012, every moment of every day. And in your hands, in a sense, you have the steering wheel and you choose where to put it. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for today and the chance to spend this first day of 2012 of the new year together. And God, I just pray that you would speak to us right now. Uh, I pray you've been speaking to us, Lord, even as we spend our time together. But I know you want to be Lord of my life in ways that I haven't let you. And I know you want that to be true for each person here. And God, we don't want to do this out of guilt or shame. We want to do this out of a desire to be changed, to be transformed by you, to be molded for us to become all you created us to be. So, Father, I pray that you would prompt us to bend our knee, to submit to you and to give you the steering wheel and the keys, Lord, of our lives every moment, God. And we know that that's going to show up in how we use our time and our talents, our treasures, and how we persevere and how we act in the midst of trials and troubles. Be our Lord be our light and our life. In Jesus' name, amen.